Chapter Sixteen of the Alhambra: A Series of Tales and Sketches of the Moors and Spaniards by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: Mementos of Boabdil. While my mind was still warm with the subject of the unfortunate Boabdil, I set forth to trace the mementos connected with his story, which yet exist in this scene of his sovereignty and his misfortunes. In the picture-gallery of the palace of the Henrelief hangs his portrait. The face is mild, handsome, and somewhat melancholy, with a fair complexion and yellow hair. If it be a true representation of the man, he may have been wavering and uncertain, but there is nothing of cruelty or unkindness in his aspect. I next visited the dungeon wherein he was confined in his youthful days, when his cruel father meditated his destruction. It is a vaulted room in the Tower of Comares under the Hall of Ambassadors. A similar room, separated by a narrow passage, was the prison of his mother, the virtuous Aicha Laora. The walls are of prodigious thickness, and the small windows secured by iron bars. A narrow stone gallery with a low parapet extends round three sides of the tower, just below the windows, but at a considerable height from the ground. From this gallery, it is presumed, the queen lowered her son with the scarfs of herself and her female attendants during the darkness of night to the hillside at the foot of which waited a domestic with a fleet steed to bear the prince to the mountains as i paced this gallery my imagination pictured the anxious queen leaning over the parapet and listening with the throbbings of a mother's heart to the last echo of the horse's hoofs as her son scoured along the narrow valley of the daro my next search was for the gate by which boabdil departed from the alhambra when about to surrender his capital with the melancholy caprice of a broken spirit he requested of the catholic monarchs that no one afterwards might be permitted to pass through this gate his prayer according to ancient chronicles was complied with through the sympathy of isabella and the gate walled up for some time i inquired in vain for such a portal at length my humble attendant mateo learned among the old residents of the fortress that a ruinous gateway still existed by which according to tradition the moorish king had left the fortress but which had never been opened within the memory of the oldest inhabitant he conducted me to the spot the gateway is in the centre of what was once an immense tower called la torre de los siete suelos or the tower of the seven moors it is a place famous in the superstitious stories of the neighbourhood for being the scene of strange apparitions and moorish enchantments this once redoubtable tower is now a mere wreck having been blown up with gunpowder by the french when they abandoned the fortress great masses of the wall lie scattered about buried in the luxuriant herbage or overshadowed by vines and fig-trees the arch of the gateway though rent by the shock still remains but the last wish of poor boabdil has been again though unintentionally fulfilled for the portal has been closed up by loose stones gathered from the ruins 
and remains impassable. Following up the route of the Moslem monarch, as it remains on record, I crossed on horseback the hill of Les Martyrs, keeping along the garden of the convent of the same name, and thence down a rugged ravine, beset by thickets of aloes and Indian figs, and lined by caves and hovels swarming with gypsies. It was the road taken by Boabdil to avoid passing through the city. The descent was so steep and broken that I was obliged to dismount and lead my horse. Emerging from the ravine, and passing by the Puerta de los Molinos, the gate of the mills, I issued forth upon the public promenade, called the Prado, and, pursuing the course of the Henil, arrived at a small Moorish mosque, now converted into the chapel or hermitage of San Sebastian. A tablet on the wall relates that on this spot Boabdil surrendered the keys of Granada to the Castilian sovereigns. From thence I rode slowly across the vega to a village where the family and household of the unhappy king had awaited him, for he had sent them forward on the preceding night from the Alhambra that his mother and wife might not participate in his personal humiliation or be exposed to the gaze of the conquerors. Following on in the route of the melancholy band of royal exiles, I arrived at the foot of a chain of barren and dreary heights, forming the skirt of the Alpujarra mountains. From the summit of one of these the unfortunate Boabdil took his last look at Granada. It bears a name expressive of his sorrows, La Cuesta de las Lajimras, the Hill of Tears. Beyond it a sandy road winds across a rugged, cheerless waste, doubly dismal to the unhappy monarch, as it led to exile. Behind, in the distance, lies the enameled vega, with the henil shining among its bowers and Granada beyond. I spurred my horse to the summit of a rock, where Boabdil uttered his last sorrowful exclamation as he turned his eyes from taking their farewell gaze. It is still denominated El Ultimo Suspiro del Moro, the last sigh of the moor. Who can wonder at his anguish at being expelled from such a kingdom and such an abode? With the Alhambra he seemed to be yielding up all the honours of his line and all the glories and delights of life. It was here, too, that his affliction was embittered by the reproach of his mother, Aicha, who had so often assisted him in times of peril, and had vainly sought to instil into him her own resolute spirit. "'You do well,' said she, "'to weep as a woman over what you could not defend as a man.' A speech that savours more of the pride of the princess than the tenderness of the mother." When this anecdote was related to Charles V by Bishop Huervara, the emperor joined in the expression of scorn at the weakness of the wavering Boabdil. "'Had I been he, or he been I,' said the haughty potentate, "'I would rather have made this Alhambra my sepulchre than have lived without a kingdom in the Alpujarra.' How easy it is for them, in power and prosperity, to preach heroism to the vanquished! How little can they understand that life itself may rise in value with the unfortunate 
when naught but life remains. End of chapter 16